The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the post-turkey nap and pre-cookie glee of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who eats his Thanksgiving turkey and Christmas cookies on the same day. Josh, mm. how are you doing this evening? I'm good. I'm good. I don't know that I would eat those on the same day but that's only because it hasn't been presented to me as an option i guess <laughs> <laughs> well okay we're actually uh the only apartment that doesn't have our lights up yet and I, i'm like wait thanksgiving was just four days ago <laughs> it was get on it what's going on what have you been doing all weekend i know just and I just think I just have to plug them in, and they're already in the windows. I think I, I could be mistaken, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, I would totally eat things. You know, I'm probably more likely to eat turkey during Christmas time than I am to eat Thanksgiving turkey and Christmas cookies. We had that conversation at work the other day about what you associate as being a Thanksgiving meal versus a Christmas meal or whatever other winter holiday you might celebrate. Yeah. Because for I feel like for a lot of people, they're the same meal or very similar meals. But for others, they're pretty different. Now, my family, eh, there was a few differences here and there. But overall, I don't th- know that the meals were drastically different between the two. Sure. We do pasta on Christmas and turkey on Thanksgiving. Those deep Italian roots you have. <laughs> well... You know, sometimes you got to keep up appearances, Kyle. <laughs> hey, you know what? Just because you're not as Italian as your family thought, not even doesn't close. Mean you don't, well, it doesn't mean that you still don't have amazing family traditions. And there's no reason to change those. That's true. Just because I'm not n- nearly Italian uh, <laughs> doesn't mean I don't still appreciate Italian meals. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I still have an Italian last name. You can't take that away from me. (laughs) That's true. That That, that cannot get changed. Well, I mean, you can. Like, I would have to do it myself, though. But, yeah. (laughs) Because the big question was whether, that we were discussing, was whether or not ham is considered a Thanksgiving I think it's more Christmas. Christmas ham. And I I always had Christmas as being more of the ham holiday Hmm. than Thanksgiving. But I, I work with people who... They eat ham at Thanksgiving, and I don't know that that's wrong. Kevin Austin has tacos at Thanksgiving, and I I don't know that he is Mexican, but he might be. <laughs> I do like tacos. I know. I'm lot. kidding. I'm kidding. Mostly, I kept, they were talking about it on PSVG Prime, and and how the, he's been doing tacos, taco like a taco bar for the past few Christmases, and I'm kind of envious of that actually. That does sound really, really good. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> A lot less one. prep goes into the main meal, at least. <laughs> I'm sure that there's, and knowing Kevin, I'm sure there's a lot of food options, but because, you know, he is Justin Warner's uh, celebrity chef. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. 
Yeah, I mm, tacos. Just doing a taco bar for a holiday, whether it be Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever other holiday it might be, sounds great. That sounds like a really, really good option. My problem is, is typically when I make tacos, it almost is like a taco bar anyway. Mm. Just when I make tacos regularly during the time. Usually there's a couple options as far as, you know, main protein that you're going to have. And all the fixings are always presented, including beans and all that good stuff. And that's just typical taco night for me. That's nice. I, I'm only cooking for one other person than me, so I I try not. I'm so worried about wastefulness of uh, toppings that I, I limit it to the basics. Nothing wrong with that, though. Sometimes I enjoy a really good basic taco. Yeah. I used to do tomatoes, like, but my wife doesn't eat tomatoes, so now I don't even do tomatoes for my own tacos. I just do extra peppers. <laughs> to try to like, But you have peppers. Yeah. So the, it's interesting that no tomatoes, but you would consider peppers to be the appropriate like basic taco well, she was, accompaniment. Yeah, she doesn't eat tomatoes, and I just figured you can't just buy like – it's hard to just buy one tomato. I know that you can do it, but it's, not, co- do it's it. not cost saving. <laughs> you can buy like one tomato at the same price as like a whole package of cherry tomatoes. <laughs> well, right, but if you just buy like one Roma tomato – yeah. Yeah, I don't know. What are we talking about here? This is bored with everything. (laughs) (laughs) Just, I really want tacos now is what I've decided. Yeah. Well, let's do it. Tacos for Christmas. Yeah, I'll talk to the partner (laughs) about that one. I'm not sure where she'll sit on that. So I do think, though, that we're doing Christmas like two weeks early. No, that doesn't make sense. Christmas is the 25th. Well, right. We're celebrating it, I (laughs) I should say. I know. (laughs) I'm feeling cheeky, Kyle. I I, I saw the cheekiness. I'm sure we'll probably do something on the 25th as well, but with family, it's going to be, Mm. I think, two weeks early, So, which is okay, because that means that kind of the hecticness is taken care of and just done and out of the way, Yeah, but yeah. (laughs) It's going to be a stressful December. Um, That is one beauty of not having children, is I, I don't have to worry about that as much, because... (laughs) no one's really like you know i have like a niece and a nephew and stuff and people are really excited to see them nobody really cares if they see me or not like it's not a big deal so uh yeah it's gonna be our first christmas where he doesn't see family it's gonna be crazy but you just start new traditions then zoom covid zoom christmas (laughs) i mean i don't know about you you work at a school have you ever tried doing a zoom call with family when people don't know when to stop talking and and all it is is 15 screens of people just putting out words into the world and you can't understand a single person no i've never it's done the a zoom worst <laughs> family call i've done many many work meetings via zoom i have not done a zoom family call at all it's the worst don't do it don't even do it if you miss your family just FaceTime them one at a time. Don't don't do the Zoom thing. <laughs> or send them a nice message to let you know that you're thinking of them and you miss them. And you don't want to tolerate them with the 14 other people at the same time <laughs> on <laughs> video teleconferencing. <laughs> so, if, listeners, if you have tips for Josh about how to manage his family during a Zoom call, feel free to let him know. So you just have to put in some guidelines of general rules. Yeah, yeah. You know, families are good at following rules. Right. <laughs> More like guidelines than actual rule. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. All these movie quizzes in my head, trying to think of everything related to a movie anytime you talk. Well, but. I can do that all day, every day. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. All right. 
Anything else we should talk about before we get to the show proper? No, no. If you're still listening, thanks for tuning in. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all the other awesome stuff over on the Instagram, Board with VG as well. We're a proud part of playing some video games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We're absolutely thrilled with the support you've given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. Josh, what is your first topic for the show this week? Okay, so we're going to talk about other awards in the future of the show. Spoilers, but I figured we should talk about this. Oh, and I just saw something in an ad that I need to look at. (laughs) The Ranged, have you heard of this? Oh, yeah. Speaking of, before I even get to this topic, did you see, I didn't put this as a topic, but did you see that there is a Kickstarter for a board game uh, based on The Boys? I did not see that. Yeah, it's a miniatures game too, but it's it's using the comic book art. Um, so it's actually telling like more of the the comic story. Uh, so yeah, if you're listening, check that out. The boys board game uh, is out there. Uh, yeah, so Gamma is making some changes to the Origins Awards for the 2020 2021 cycle. This is from um, Jeffrey Dom Sanchez uh, over at ICV two. Uh, where he reports um, Gamma has received a total of 300 submissions for the current cycle, which is up 81 from the la- from the previous. So they decided to split up the board game and role-playing game categories to have more uh, multiple categories by genre, which is interesting. Um, so the new categories are as follows. We have board game um, family and then board game generic which is interesting. I'm sorry, generic in general, same difference, uh, less insulting, uh, board game, historical board game party slash light, which is interesting. Uh, I think, um, board game strategy slash heavy, which I think is more in line, uh, card game, collectible game, digital adaptation of a physical game, miniatures game, miniatures game, historical. Uh, I bet you a lot of miniatures, uh, game makers are happy about the, the separation of historical um, because you're basically just getting giving wargaming their own category now. Ostensibly, yeah. Uh, role-playing game, family slash general audience, which I think is good for, I guess, Renegade Game Studios this year <laughs> uh, with kids on bikes and stuff. Uh, role-playing game, fantasy, role-playing game, science fiction, and then game accessory. So there are now 14 categories as opposed to the 10 last year. Um but the single board game category is now split up into five different categories. So uh, what do you think about this in general first? I guess we'll just get your general impressions on like um, too many awards now. Or is this is this preferable to just the general board game category? I do think this is better because they their awards were always very odd that it didn't really seem they were able to effectively recognize enough games that had been really quality that were released. And there are so many really good games released these days 
that I think it's important to ensure you have ways to highlight those. And that doesn't mean that every game should get an award or anything by that measure, but their categories were so limited before, but they would have things like game accessories and all that stuff that seemed a little, not less important, but just very different compared to most other game awards that the thing that they're really about and that game was supposed to be all about was almost the thing that was least highlighted. And I think by making these changes, they really are more effectively going to highlight and support their their industry as a whole because you will have family games that can be recognized because while there are really good family games or really good lighter games released everywhere every year, you know, how often are those going to, especially in the mindshare of the, you know, board game hobbyist, stand up to the strategy heavy games uh, and things like that? Sometimes they do, but not always. And especially card games. Card games have become extremely popular as of late. So how are how are those lighter games, how are those party games going to get any attention uh, unless you are able to highlight them in a new and separate and different way? Now, I agree. Putting party games and light games together, that's a little interesting, but I I get the general sentiment, I guess, maybe easier to easy to access type style game where it's just a little bit easier for point of entry for more people. Yeah, uh, I think is kind of what they're going for in that area. But overall, I'm I'm a fan of these changes. I do think it will help, uh, again, highlight some games or more games than they have in the past. And I think it will allow games to compete on a more even playing field for attention compared to how their previous categories were set up. What about you? I think it's uh my only worry is like uh so when the Academy Awards decided to do seven movies for Best Picture, uh you could kind of tell that they kind of gave some nominations to things they thought they were supposed to nominate versus what they thought was nomination worthy. Uh so I worry about like trying to fill a category with a certain amount of nominees. Now, I know there's so many board games that come out in a year, but I'm trying to think of a historic, more than two historical board games that came out in the past year. And, and then I'm just curious what the criteria is going to be on, on that. And is it like, Hey, I mean, that could be good. I'm not necessarily saying it's a bad thing because it could give more attention to a lesser known game, like maybe even from like an indie developer or something. But my just my only worry is that trying to fill categories where before they had the problem of having probably too many options for their board game, you know, best board game uh, of the year. So that's all that really kind of crossed my mind. I'm like I'm sh- like in there. I don't know. I don't want to seem pessimistic because there's probably there's so many games I'm unaware of that come out every year. Um my and I, and I do also worry about party slash light being in a category. Why not just separate them at this point? If you have all these other categories, why not just do a light and heavy section? Uh, why not do strategy and party separate and light and heavy separate? Like and then get rid of general. So then you have like all your bases covered. I know this yeah. isn't like to criticize them for putting out more awards. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to think of like what I might have done differently. Um, but in, in general, I'm happy that they are expanding the games they're looking at and the games they're, um, presenting as like options for, um, best of the year. And and that's better. And like, 
period, right? It's better for more acknowledgement of board games and creators. Um, I'm just, I'm curious to see what the nominees are going to look like when these, when these come out. And is it going to be like uniformly like five games nominated per, or is it going to be like, Hey, this has three nominees and this has seven. Like I'm curious how they're going to run that per category. Cause game but accessory they, has to have a lot of options, right? Right. And they were kind of already doing that. There wasn't a consistent number of nominees for their previous awards. If I, if I recall correctly, and you know, considering this is the game manufacturers association and they're representing a very broad spectrum of the industry most folks within the industry are going to be part of gamma you know historical i'm sure the people who do historical gaming probably have felt a little overlooked by the association when it comes to the recognition of the quality of the games because mm. if you think about even like 18 double x games like how many of those come out a year right yeah and like it's a category that not many people know about but the people who play it are extremely passionate about it and they love it and i have no idea how to play any of those games <laughs> i though it's cool that we want to build some railroads like i have no idea how to do it i don't know if it really interests me but there are people who are really really passionate about that when you look at things like um like a like advanced squad leader and just other things that are very ingrained in the community but in small areas of the community that doesn't mean that great things aren't happening so i think sometimes it does take the extra step to create a category like historical or to create a category like miniature games historical to really still highlight the good things that are going on in those smaller communities just because they are going to typically get out they're, they're going to get blocked by or they're going to get overshadowed by the bigger yeah. more well-known uh either games or communities kind of when it comes to a lot of these awards. And I think if you look at something like the game awards that we talked about last week, yes, that was voted on by 90 plus people. And maybe it really was those five or so games that we were talking about over and over and over again, were really just the five best games that were released this year. But as we were just talking about, when we were thinking about this year and whether we're going to do a top five or a top 10 list, we're probably going to do a top 10 because we can easily fill a 10 great games that came out this year. Right. You know, so I, it's just one of those things that it's, it's sometimes for those other games to get recognized that might be really, really good. If they're not super big or super mainstream or have a big name behind them, sometimes it can be harder for them to get recognized. So creating these categories, I think, is helpful. Agreed. Anything else about the Gamma Awards? No. I think uh, we just need to wait now and see how this uh, plays out absolutely and hopefully it plays out well yeah awesome all right josh well as promised from last week my first topic this week is talking about games i've been playing mm. a couple board games a couple video games but we're gonna start with the board games first one i'm gonna talk about a little more in depth than we did last week not quite as in depth as we did a few weeks ago when you talked about it but is title blades heroes of the reef uh game you backed and i backed on kickstarter uh we got the deluxe editions which are pretty darn fancy, let me tell you. Mm. Uh, and I did go back and look at the box after we talked, and I felt really silly that there was the instructions <laughs> outside of the box about how to put the game away. So, you know, no problem. I, the good thing was I had put it away properly. Oh, there you go. That's good. So I had followed, I had done everything right. I just didn't. So clearly the trays and everything in it are intuitive enough. I will say 
that the box and everything in the box is really nicely put together. The trays are really good. Uh, the game trays that are in there, really easy way to kind of keep track of resources, hold everything in its spot. And like I said, the fact that I was able to put everything away uh, without much issue, without looking at the instructions that are provided, tells you that it was pretty well designed. The one thing I find interesting, and I know this is purely because it's a Kickstarter product, and I'm assuming this is not the same for the base game. But I do find it interesting that the miniature for the expansion is in the base it, game. Yeah, actually, I didn't even think I got... I was like, well, why would they not make a miniature for the expansion when I opened the expansion box? And then I was like, oh, I was like, oh no, was that like a $5 thing I decided not to back because it was just another thing? And then I was like, oh, wait, there's an extra guy in here. <laughs> right. So that is interesting. But like I said, I think that's just nature of this is... The, this thing was sold together as a package and this is the way they could put it all together. And I'm my, I'm anticipating that the expansion we got is the expansion that everyone can buy in the store. Right. Whereas the base game is the nice upgraded version, which is why the miniature was in there. But I wonder, was there a way to get the game, the base game without the expansion yes. and still get the upgraded one? Yeah. You, the English code was an add on. So you could potentially have the miniature for the expansion, but not have the expansion. Yeah, I wonder if they packaged... They probably just didn't package it with the guy in just an empty space. Think so? Yeah. It seems more cost... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to... I'll tweet James Hudson and see what what is what. <laughs> so long story short, uh, packaging is great. Yes. <laughs> Everything fits together in the box really well. It's a really nice put together package that you're getting. Uh, they did a nice job and the partner is always big on how do things fit in the box? How well is the insert? And this one got rave reviews. The game trays that they created are really, really nice. Mm. With that being said, Josh has talked about exactly how you play the game on a episode a couple episodes ago. So I'm not going to go through all of that. I'm just going to give you some impressions on my feelings on playing the game, specifically about some of the things I talked to Josh about while he was talking about his experience. Number one, I want to say, Josh, I've discovered it is really bad to watch a two-year-old rules video before you play a game <laughs> oh, no. because sometimes the rules have changed. <laughs> so that's an important thing to note. But other rules have not changed. Uh, but there was a couple that were tweaked or were no longer um, the same. So it was kind of confusing because I'd watched this video, which was very well done. But I had these ideas in my mind about how things were going to go. Yeah. And then they just did not go that way. That's kind of a hard adjustment to make, especially when you're learning a game and trying to teach a game and you kind of ingrain this thing into your memory that wasn't a huge deal it was just that uh if you did uh if you successfully completed um one of your challenges on an island with an opponent that opponent got a fruit oh which is not in the game anymore hmm interesting yeah you're like toss them a tip you're like hey thanks for watching right, exactly. <laughs> thanks for watching but yeah so that's not in the game anymore but that for some reason and then I kept getting it confused with the elder and that you get go up on the champion, um, board. champion track. So I kept being like, wait, do I get a fruit for this? Or do I have on the champion track? Like, how does this work again? <laughs> so that was messing me up, but that's my own fault. That's no one's fault at all. But with that being said, I also did go back and verified that when fighting monsters, you do get the benefits yeah, of I... all of your <laughs> all of your shield things go up, or all of your different things, the dice that you use, all those go up, and you get one victory point at the end for each point of damage you did on a monster. Oh. So fighting monsters is actually extremely important. <laughs> nice. So if you go up to, and you do a monster and you say you use three dice, 
on that monster. Yes, you lose those three dice, but whatever those three symbols were, you go up on on your dial, one for each of them, yeah. and then you'd have three victory points at the end oh. for do the three points of damage on the monster. We were just adding one of our tokens onto the board. Yeah, you put one for each dice part that you uh, covered. Oh, yeah, I did. Okay, I did know that to cover the space. Yep. But I know then you put like one of your hero markers, like the small piece, on there. No, is that for the end? Oh, I'm. I know, I know the, I messed for, it up, is basically no, what okay. I'm saying. Yeah, because on the champion row, basically, like we, if you're in the lead after the first, second, third round, you put a yeah. marker, one marker there. But yeah, at the end, just every time a monster leaves or is defeated or however they leave, all of the hit point tokens that were used, you're supposed to save and then add those together at the end and you get victory points gotcha. for all of them. Okay. So I was like, I thought fighting monsters was actually really important. Uh, but yeah, that then comes to really overall. I really enjoyed the game. Uh, so it's always hard to talk about like what you like when playing a game because it just all feels really good. There's a lot of good choices. You have a lot of options that you can do. Uh, the first game, I didn't always feel like things were super meaningful. It took a while to understand why spirit is good because until you start really investing in checking out the stunt cards and what the stunt cards can do for you, knowing that having higher spirit can be helpful if you're trying to do those things. And I do think that certain skills and abilities are definitely better for certain um, characters that you play in the game, just because since they are asymmetrical and they did have different powers, certain things are going to be more helpful to you or different actions are going to be more helpful to different characters, I feel like, while playing it. The nits that I have to pick with it is... Number one, for the two-player version of the game where you have this other third player that ostensibly is playing, I I just never really enjoy that when it's part of a game. And I understand if that's what has to happen to balance it. It just seems when it's totally random, it it makes it very hard to plan around because other human players theoretically are not random, right? They have things specifically they're trying to accomplish. So if you're paying attention to what they're doing, and what they've been trying to do, you can sometimes have an idea of what they might try to do next or where they might try to go. Now, sometimes they choose to do something completely random that makes no sense. Like that definitely happens sometimes. Uh, and that might mean that a space that I feel like I should have been able to gone, I, I can't go because that player did something random. But whenever it's a automated thing like this third player is, it just feels a little worse to me. Uh, this was explained to me one time by someone who played a lot of uh, blackjack that there's very specific rules about how you're supposed to play blackjack. I'm not very good at it, but there are certain times when you should hit, certain times when you should not that are well understood by people who play blackjack a lot. So if you have a new person in there yeah. who doesn't do what they're supposed to, that you feel like you can't perform at your best because you're not getting the cards you're supposed to be getting. Like they'll hit when they're not supposed to and take your card um, or wh- or they'll pass when they shouldn't have and then you get the card that they were supposed to get. Like these things happen yeah. and it makes it harder to play the game for you. And that's kind of what I feel like in these situations when you have the automated third player that just is going by whatever the flip of the card is and this is where you move them to it it just feels a little bit worse that like oh this wasn't a player making a decision that made it so i couldn't execute on what i wanted to it was just the randomness of the game that made that happen does that make sense it does 100 percent. i get what you're saying so not again not a bad thing if that's the way it has to be to balance the game totally fine like i still overall enjoyed my time with it but uh definitely a you need Something a four-player experience. 
yeah, I think if I had played with three or four players, I probably yeah. would have enjoyed it more. But like I said, I still really like this game. The other nit I have is that I, I don't know that the characters, at least for beginning players, are totally balanced. I think there are very specific reasons why they encourage certain players, like certain characters, to start. Um, and that they have kind of a starting general things for you to do. Uh, but a couple of the characters, like when you move from one to the other, and because of what those uh, hidden goals are for you to complete in the game to get points at the end are so drastically different. And then I really just felt like I was out of my depth with one of the characters. We had talked about this a little yeah. bit last week where I just did not feel like I had any chance of being successful. And that's just a really cruddy feeling to be in round two of a game and be like, I don't think there's any way I can win this game. You know, and that just stinks. And like I said, maybe the more I play it and the better I understood it, I wouldn't feel that way as much anymore. But goodness, that crocodile guy, he is tough to play (laughs) because he needs so many dice to do everything. So you never really feel like you can go fight monsters because you need like it's so challenging to get dice that it feels like I, I have to keep these, but then you don't get any of the points, you don't go get any of the advantage of the things the monsters do, and then you're also getting the negative that yeah. happens because you're not engaging in that, and something negative happens from those. And that's just a poopy feeling. And like I said, if I played more, and if I was playing with four players, so it was humans who could make mistakes or do other things, I, I might have felt differently about it, but I, I really did feel like I just was had no chance in that last game that I played. The first two games, though, were very, very close. I felt like I was in the game the entire time. There was interesting decisions to be made. I felt like I had many choices I could do um, in order to be successful of like, oh, I could do this, or I could do this, or I could do this, and any of these would be good and help me towards victory. Uh, So that was great. Uh, I do feel like, though, the four turns is still a little short. Yeah. Yeah, I I hear you on that. Especially when you're like just staring at it, like you're like, oh, there's only one more turn left after this. Right. And how, and realistically, there's one more round and I get four total turns. So, how am I even going to get it so that I have dice to be able to do stuff with more than once? Yeah. Yep. Right. And that's kind of where it gets to. It's like, okay, well, hopefully I have a challenge I can do and then I'm going to refresh them. And then I'm going to maybe like try to get one more dice and then go fight a monster at the end because that's how I can get points and hopefully it works out that way. Um, but then when you have this random person who's going around and taking the things, granted, there are multiple spots where you can have as many people on them as you want to. So in that scenario, it wouldn't matter. But yeah, overall, I still really like the game. The production value on it's great. Even if you get the less expensive uh, version of it, that isn't the upgraded one. The art is still amazing. Looks really spectacular. Uh, they've done a great job with, you know, the non deluxe edition parts come in the box and yeah they're cardboard but they still are really great yeah like they're high quality um yeah overall really like the game uh it's sitting at a 293 for its weight on board game okay. geek uh overall uh rating is an 8.1 so it needs more ratings before it can really solidify its like rank within its overall rank and all that good stuff um uh, but yeah people are seeming to enjoy it um it's designed by tim and ben eisner um, and then artists are Lena Cassette and David Forrest, who uh, are the same people who did, oh, what's the name of that game that you that I like that you don't? Santorini. I don't not like it. <laughs> I know. I know. But uh, they do all their art under the uh, art studio, Mr. Cuttington. Mm. Uh, so if you ever see Mr. Cuttington, it is the two of them who are doing that. But overall, really nice game. Uh, we'll continue, definitely continue to play it. Uh, just like I said, I would like to experience it with other people, not just as a two-player game moving forward. 
to see if I like it even more than I currently do. The other big board game that I've been playing then is Pandemic Legacy Season Zero. Um, this is the third game in the Pandemic Legacy suite of games. And as far as Pandemic goes, I don't know, dozenth game or something oh, yeah, like yeah. that at this point, <laughs> it seems like, between game and expansion. Uh, this is designed by Rob Davio and Matt Leacock, published by Z-Man Games. Uh, Pandemic Legacy, if you're not familiar with Legacy Games listeners, Legacy Games are games that uh, you play through a campaign ostensibly, uh, one time usually, and because as you are playing the game, you are making decisions, and these decisions include putting stickers on boards and writing things on cards or ripping cards in half so you can never use them again, and all of these good things. Sometimes people kind of balk at that and say, why would I buy a game I can only play through one time? But then if you think about how many times you've ever played any of the board games you own, right. <laughs> and this game you're going to play anywhere between 12 and 24 times, that's probably most the, more than you've played most of your board games. So it really isn't that bad. Um, but this is, again, the third game, even though it is Season Zero. Uh, this is a prequel of sorts to the first two games, but you don't have to have played the first two games uh, in order to play Season Zero. Though there are some nods to it if you have played the both. I have played both of them of the previous Legacy games, and they're both pretty good. I both I like both of them a lot. This game is set during the Cold War, and you are trying to work together to prevent a Soviet bio-threat. And it has a lot of the same trappings as Pandemic, but it definitely has, even out of the box, so like the first game you start with is a prologue, and they encourage you to play the prologue as many times as you need to to feel comfortable with it, because there are some rules differences to typical Pandemic. Nothing drastically different, but just a few things that um, are a little different and is important to kind of keep in mind that you don't do exactly like you would um, in typical Pandemic. But then after that, the game takes place over the course of a year. Uh, so it starts in January, plays through December. The first time you play a month, you get objectives you have to complete. If you don't complete those objectives or a certain a number of those objectives, you then kind of quote unquote lose that month, have to play it again. If you don't successfully complete it the second time, you then move on to the next month. So you, the maximum number of times you'll play any month is two. Potentially, if you win the month on your first time, uh, you will move on to the next month after one victory, which is kind of where that 12 um, is the minimum number of times, really 13 because of the prologue, uh, that you'll play the game. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, so if you are interested in playing this game, I'm not going to talk about any plot details or what happens with the game or anything like that. Uh, but general impressions overall are pretty favorable. I We just finished September, so we're almost done. October, November, December left to go. I do feel like this has the same issue a little bit that happened for us in Pandemic Legacy Season 2. And this is going to sound like a humble brag, and I don't mean it to. But we were super, super successful um, in January, February, March, April, and May. Well, one thing to know, and I don't think this is a spoiler, that as you continue to do well, your resources are restricted and restricted and restricted more every time you do well. Yeah. Well... Eventually, you get to a point where your resources are so restricted that you just get absolutely obliterated. <laughs> and that's what happened to us. So January, February, March, April, May, all went really, really well. Uh, and then I think it was June, we just got decimated. Because we had so... Resources are ostensibly cards in your deck. And so you have just less stuff. There's less things you can do things yeah. with. And when you're trying to complete you know, three objectives in a month and... Some of the objectives even take additional cards out of your deck because you have to go get those cards. It, it just made it very, very challenging. Uh, and that was a little bit disheartening is that when you when we started that month, 
we both really felt after the game setup of setting everything up, seeing everything we needed to do, seeing the requirements for how you have to do some things and knowing what those requirements were, we just felt like there was no way we were going to successfully be able to do the month at all. Yeah. And that just is a really kind of a cruddy feeling. Now, like I said, is that the game's fault? No, because parts of that setup are random, right? It was the unlucky part of the draw for a couple of the things that we had to do. And again, trying to st- keep vague so I don't spoil anything. But it does kind of feel like we got punished a little bit for having been successful in previous months. Uh, and that's just kind of a cruddy feeling. Uh, again, I think it is important because if you don't do those things for people who are have played a lot of Pandemic, like I said, even though some of the rules are different, a lot of the philosophy things about how you want to try to manage things and the things you might want to do are still pretty similar. So having that knowledge and having had played a lot of Pandemic – having this reduction of resources if you do well makes sense to try to make the game a challenge for you because otherwise it might be pretty simple but it really was a feeling where it almost felt punishing for punishment's sake that it wasn't there was no floor to well there is a floor but the floor is basically you have no resources (laughs) that's not a great feeling yeah exactly (laughs) so on the flip side though there you know if you if things are a challenge because Either the game gets really hard or you haven't played a ton of Pandemic. They do things to make the game a little bit easier. They give you additional resources as you play through the games in those situations. And that's kind of a nice thing uh, that it can kind of go the other way as well to hopefully make the game feel a little more forgiving than maybe it would otherwise. Uh, since that really bad month, things have balanced out a little more. We They do have built in where like you can completely awesomely success- be successful in a month. But then there's kind of like a middle ranking now where if you get that middle ranking, they don't punish you. You actually get a little bit of resources back. Even though mm. you were technically successful, you weren't as successful as you could have been. So they're not really going to punish you for being able to partially accomplish how things go, which is nice. It, it does mean that when you look at something – if you're like, hey, this is going to be really hard, let's prioritize, you know, objective A and B. And if we can get C done as well, great. It's good to know that, okay, things won't go as well as they could have if we got all three of them. But we're not going to be really, really punished for only doing two of the three. Um, so that's kind of a nice feeling where it's kind of you have this middle ground and it's not an all or nothing situation where you totally fail or you totally succeed every time. So overall, still really enjoying the game. There are parts of it still. Even at this point, with only three months left, that I just don't know how we're going to play out. There's some very specific uh, lines of mystery, I guess would be the best <laughs> way to put it, that are, are started at the very beginning of the game and still are going right now where I don't know if we've been making the right choices on certain things. And we won't know until, I'm assuming, probably the end of the game, maybe a month before the end of the game. But... Overall, if you like legacy games, I think Pandemic Legacy Season Zero is a great option. I do. People have said that it's easier than the previous two seasons were, and I don't know if I fully agree with that yet. I do think it is potentially a bit more complicated than some of the than Season One or Season Two were. So, if you're looking at getting into a legacy game, I might start with Season One as a great place to start, just because I. Th- think it's a little less complicated from a rules perspective than season zero is i know there's always kind of that desire to start with the first numbered thing Uh, but i think like season one might be a little less complicated um feel a little bit more approachable for you i think 
I don't know that this is quite as complicated as season two was because things of season two got really, um, really interesting, I feel like. But there was still enough of the pure pandemic to it where if you had played a lot of pandemic, you kind of knew where you were going to go. This is the one that's definitely the most different as far as those things go. So your pandemic knowledge, while still helpful, isn't going to be as directly correlated. But I still think, like I said, I still think it can help you be successful in this game because it's not that different. Um, but just if you're looking for a straight up pure pandemic game, uh, it's a little bit different, but not in a bad way. I don't I don't think it's more of a step to the side than a step forward or backwards, if that makes sense. Do you think it suffers being a prequel to the first two? Like that do you think like maybe they have their hands set on what they're able to do? I don't think so. I they really seem especially with the time that it takes place in, I th- I think that they had this idea of what they wanted to do and that going to a prequel made the most sense yeah. for kind of the things they wanted to do from a design perspective go. I did read an article, and I, I don't remember who said it, so I, I apologize. Um, but like the headline was basically that in Pandemic Legacy Season 0, the Russians are the virus. And it's like, ouch. Okay, <laughs> well, that's a thing. And it is very interesting to play this game right now with everything that's going on in the world, both a pandemic, but also playing a Cold War game with just the world being in the state that it is yeah. right now it is kind of interesting uh to play through this and just kind of think about it from that bigger context but yeah i don't know that they necessarily um hamstrung themselves i think it really was they had some design ideas and this was the easiest way for them to be able to make those things happen gotcha so and i could be wrong but that's just what it feels like i'm playing it so cool Uh, when do you think you'll get to this game (laughs) well since I don't have to play finish season two, there is a potential that if I get it, I could play it. Maybe I'll put it on my wish list. Maybe I'll get it for Christmas. Uh, um, I'll do that right now, just in case, because I could probably convince my wife to play it. It's just, you know, I'm so envious of the time that you guys get to like. You told me you played Title Blades a couple times, or like the first time and i was like what <laughs> i played it once <laughs> so like i'm yeah. still envious of stuff like that but um it's definitely in my interest i really think and maybe this is um i don't know if i'm just pulling this out of nowhere but i really feel like once this whole pandemic is over that i'm gonna get everyone's gonna want to play games all the time so i feel like i'm gonna have the opportunity to be more social and play games all the time i really think that's more delusional thought than anything else but um i like to imagine a world where that's the case <laughs> and come whenever like march i'm gonna be telling you every weekend that i played a legacy game or right <laughs> or something but realistically i think if i'm gonna push for a big game um it's gonna be cloudspire most likely because we need to you know we need to get that to the table um and she's actually my wife's actually interested in in playing it so um pandemic might have to wait until it's on sale (laughs) for me to get it but i would love to play it i I wish we if we were neighbors kyle man (laughs) the games we would play (laughs) i know right the games we would play indeed uh just one thing to note out there dear listener if by chance you do get this game uh, there is an official errata for it already for a couple of the months. We're that, family friendly. So, we don't talk about errata on here. <laughs> <laughs> but despite that fact, there is an official one uh, that's available on Board Game Geek, probably on Z-Man's website too. I don't know. I have only looked at it on Board Game Geek. It's not significant, uh, but for one of the months, it does make a 
pretty important difference. There was an error in a word on a card. And when I read the errata, I was like, oh, that makes way more sense for something. So, yeah, it is important. So if you do, by chance, pick up the game, they said they're going to get it fixed in the next printing. Uh, but if you get pick up the game anytime soon, you probably would have the or- original printing. Uh, so just make sure you look out for that. You should really do that uh, with any board game you buy. I know we don't yes. really talk about this, but you really should just Google board game name errata and see if anything has been changed that they couldn't fix before publication because that does happen um like it's really important in games like keyforge and and star wars destiny and magic the gathering because that stuff gets changed so much it's actually harder to keep up with but at least in board games it's easy to like catch it right away yeah no i agree awesome uh, so that's been it for the board games front. Uh, I have been playing a couple of video games I'm just going to talk about very, very briefly. Mm. Uh, Black Ops Cold War. Finished the campaign for it. Oh, you finished it. Uh, I, yeah. Have you been playing the campaign? I was playing the campaign last night, and then you invited you me to play a game. multiplayer for <laughs> multiple hours. So. so I didn't complete the mission I was on, but I, I, I'm only a couple missions in, and I went to go do one of the side missions, and it was like, wait, 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 you didn't figure the thing out. And I was like, okay, I guess I shouldn't do this then. <laughs> So I didn't, I went just to do the next mission. Um, so yeah, I don't remember what I was, I was quietly infiltrating a base. It's like the third mission or the second mission. Okay. So just, so you know, for those side missions, there is, I don't think this is a spoiler. There's intel you need to pick up in the main yeah, missions. Yep. That will help you then figure out the clues you need to, to unlock the side. Missions. Yeah. I had to Google to figure out. Because there was a decryption thing, and then I was like, okay, I can figure out the decryption, but what am I decrypting? And then I have to Google it, and they're like, it's easy. Just use the things and the dates on the newspaper. And I was like, oh, I don't have the newspaper yet. (laughs) Yeah, so that's the big thing is (laughs) there is intel you'll pick up during the missions that will make those possible. The other nice thing, though, is that there there is a very obvious point of no return. So there is a mission that when you go to start it, it's like, hey, just so you know, if you go do this, you will not be able to come back to the mission board. Yeah. So it very clearly is like, hey, I probably should go do these side missions now. And theoretically, by then, you should have all the information you need to to do the side missions. Gotcha. So just be kind of aware of that. But overall, I liked the campaign. I wouldn't say I loved the campaign. Um, And I'm trying to think about the – I don't want to spoil anything. But let me just say with how everything played out, I was – it kind of played out how I anticipated it would. And that's not always a bad thing. Yeah. I just really think they were hoping that that was not what my expectation was, if that makes sense. Did you look up the other endings? I haven't. I, I have not looked up all of them, but I have, I just did generally look to see. Okay. Because I've heard there's multiples. There, Yes, there are multiple okay. endings. Uh, and maybe, it, it, like I said, maybe it's just because of how... Maybe it's just really good storytelling that I'm like, oh, this is clearly where this was going. Yeah. And, you know, and maybe if it had been a, a, a different ending, uh, I would have felt differently about it. I don't know. Uh, and it, that's not bad. It's not saying that the game was bad by any means. I think overall I enjoyed my time with it. The campaign is short. It's snappy. It really gets to the point. There's some fun set pieces, but none, none of the, I don't think as many like completely over the top set pieces as we've seen in other uh call of duty games yeah. which is fine i don't think that's bad because it is much more about being 
as much as a Call of Duty campaign can be about being sneaky and all those things. <laughs> it's being um, sneaky until you can't until you make noise, and then it's Call of Duty, right? Exactly. Because <laughs> that exactly. happened to me like a dozen times in the mission I was on. Be sneaky, okay? And then I make a mistake, and then the mission doesn't end. You just have to kill everyone. <laughs> like yeah, the sneakiness is is no relevance. <laughs> yeah. So again, I enjoyed it. I think it is a i i think it is a good campaign overall so i i would encourage people to play it uh definitely think it's worth the time worth the investment and i had fun with it and when i say i just had heard such and maybe this is the victim of, of expectation i just heard such high praise for it that i thought maybe it was going to be a little bit better than it was and so it could be just a victim of that that my expectations were set maybe higher than they should have been uh because i still like when i think of like advanced warfare I still like that campaign more, and I think that or Infinite Warfare, excuse me. Ooh, Ke- Kevin uh, Spacey. I don't know that you can say that anymore, Kyle. No, Infinite Warfare. <laughs> That's the one with Kit Harrington. Okay. <laughs> Advanced Warfare was the one with Kevin Spacey. Um, <laughs> Infinite Warfare, the space one, and I think it's maybe because I had super low expectations for that one, yeah. and I loved that campaign. So it very well could be that, but I, either way, I think worth worth playing. Uh, Josh and I have been playing a little more multiplayer together, yeah. and it's I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it makes sense that I like it more than you because you're so competitive and I am not. And I think that might be why we're experiencing it differently. <laughs> but the thing is, is I am far more successful in this game than I was in Modern Warfare. But you far more. But for some reason you don't do you not you don't think that it's earned? What is the hang up? <laughs> no, I, I I it's not that I'm not enjoying it. Yeah. There's just things about it that i think here (laughs) this is gonna probably sound bad i play call of duty in a very specific way and it is the way that most call of duties don't let you play to be successful okay so i'm just weirded out by the fact that things are going okay if that makes sense as a new as as not a new as a as a plebe (laughs) uh i can tell you there's a drastic difference between modern warfare multiplayer and this multiplayer so oh, I yeah, totally absolutely. get where you're coming from, from the basic level of understanding, like where you're coming from, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Um, but and- I enjoy I enjoy this multiplayer more because I feel like I'm contributing more. And that's yeah. probably not the case. I'm probably contributing the same amount, but it's making me feel like I'm doing better. But in some ways, you are contributing more because of how they've changed score streaks and all those things that were different in Modern Warfare. Modern This game really allows burst weapons and long-distance engagements to... You're able to be successful in that way. And more traditionally, especially extremely competitive Call of Duty, it tends to be a focus on SMG play, MP5 especially gameplay, uh, being able to sprint, um, aim down sights quick, Pros don't drop shot, but drop shotting is typically a huge thing that people who are really successful in it are. And right, and someone like myself who traditionally has used uh, preferred using burst weapons or things like the G three in Modern Warfare that were single burst, um, semi automatic where you got to pull the trigger every time. Like those are the things that I enjoy and I like. And right now that is going very well. So as a result, much of the Call of Duty. Um, fan base is not happy with that because that is not the traditional way that you can be successful in these games and since it isn't mp you know five people six people with an mp5 on every map 
uh, there's a lot of people who are frustrated by that. And I know I'm oversimplifying it if you are someone who plays a lot of Call of Duty multiplayer. Uh, but it does feel different and the pacing is different and slower than previous games have been. And like I said, for me, I really enjoy it. It's kind of what I feel most at home in. But I am just basically waiting for the shoot to drop where they just patched the game to the point where I can't do that anymore. Right. <laughs> I will say, though, uh, launchers are really bad. And I'm totally okay. Like, I should say I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> it is kind of nice, like, not playing a map like Newtown and just getting RPG'd all over the place. But it is kind of also a little odd that you can literally, like, headshot someone with an RPG. And if they have flag check on, it doesn't kill them, which is a little weird. Like, that's just a little odd. So, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I, so, yeah. Overall campaign, great. Zombies is pretty cool. I was surprised we had a person help us. Uh, my friend Cody helped us uh, get through zombies to a place where we had not gotten before. Level 21. Yeah, level 21, which we had gotten to eight before, which was great. Uh, he got us to 21, basically carrying us the whole way, yeah. thanks to him. Uh, I just kind of thought there would be more, if that makes sense. Like, he's like, okay, we're going to do this. And we went through and about level five, level eight, like where there was a whole bunch of stuff that we did. But then after that, it was like, okay, pack a punch, level up your gun, get your purse, yeah, pack a punch, level up your gun. And that was so it. earlier. <laughs> So much yeah, I, I kind of felt like there should be more stuff to happen. And maybe there is, but we're just not good enough to get to where that more stuff is yet. I don't know. But he like, seemed to know what he was doing. I think we, uh, we yeah, figured it all yeah. out. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Uh, and But overall, it was fun. It was a good time. Fun had by all. It's always fun yeah. to play that. zombies with, with people, especially when they know what they're doing. Uh, and then other game is just AC Valhalla. Got Jumped back into that. Started working on that a little bit. I am liking it. I don't know if I like it as much as I do Origins and Odyssey. Oh, interesting. So we'll see. I'm I'm going to keep playing it. I may be stuck around Norway too long. Uh, I just <laughs> left Norway and I'm on my way to England. That's when I got the title screen. I was like, oh, shoot. Okay. So clearly I probably was supposed to leave sooner ah. because it's like, meet me at the boat and we'll go. And then I went and did all this other stuff yeah. and then got on the boat and went. And when I say this other stuff, I mean hours of other stuff. That's and why I stopped playing it. I was like, wait a second, <laughs> should I do all this stuff? <laughs> and then the title screen started. And I was like, oh, gosh, that was like five hours to the title screen. Sweet. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, I'll keep playing it. Um, and we'll see how it goes. I just had the title screen happen. And now I'm at the – I don't think this is a spoiler. I guess maybe it's a spoiler if you've never played an Assassin's Creed game before. Plug your ears for 30 seconds. Uh, I just got to the first part out of the Animus. So I'm at that, and that's when I stop. So I have to go do that. So I don't know how long that part will be. Uh, I've heard that it's basically however long you want it to be. It yeah. can be like 30 seconds and you're back in, or you can you know do all the stuff if you're interested in that. Um, but I assume then when I go back in, I will be in England. So yeah, nice. but that's what I've been playing. Very cool. I did want to awesome, tag Josh, on, because your... I didn't oh, okay. include it, Spirit of the North. I did start that too. So the only reason why I want to tag this on. So this is a game... This doesn't happen very often. I was, it was Saturday morning early because my son is always up early. Friday morning? Friday morning. Saturday morning. I don't know time, Kyle. Uh, Friday morning, I was perusing the interwebs and, and this trailer for Spirit of the North Enhanced Edition popped up on YouTube. So I watched it. I showed it to my wife. Fo you know, it's a Fox game. Not not a fox game. It's a game where you play a fox. Uh, I don't want to confuse it with Metal Gear. Um, so then I looked it up, and my wife, my wife was interested, and, and I was like, "Oh, it's, on, it's PS5." 
Oh, and it's only 25 bucks. Like normally, and I guess if you try to buy it, it's like 35. And then I found out there's a bunch of like cool uh, limited edition boxes and stuff that I'm trying to win now. <laughs> but uh, besides that, so we ended up grabbing it and um, I kind of just booted it up and handed the controller to my wife. And I was like, you know, let her play. See if she likes it. I'll like manage the child and keep him occupied. And uh, she she played all day for eleven straight hours. Sat on the couch. I brought her lunch and dinner, um, and snacks. And I helped her on some tough puzzles. Um, but man, did she like love that game? And I can say from watching and helping a little bit also i she did it on my profile so i was pretty happy about that uh <laughs> she was like five hours in and she goes wait who am i logged in as <laughs> i was like uh <laughs> I'll, when i play it again i'll play it as you <laughs> uh josh are you gonna play it <laughs> <laughs> that's what i thought i, that's I what probably I thought. will um because there's a lot of stuff She's like your very intermediate gamer, right? This is her first game she's completed since she said a Game Boy Advance game, which was like the horse riding game. So it wasn't even really a game game. It was like, <laughs> I don't know. It's a game. I shouldn't criticize the horse games. Um, but I think it says a lot for this game. It was definitely challenging. She definitely missed a lot of... Um, the they had these things called shamans that you have to bring staffs to. She missed a lot of them. She she did also get a lot because they're definitely hidden among the map. But but um, for anyone curious, this is beautiful on the PS5. I'm I'm sure it looks great. It's on pretty much every other console, I believe, including PC. Um, it really the set pieces reminded me of Death Stranding, like the the world itself, like. Uh, clearly, it's it's nothing like that stranding, but actual the actual grass and the mountains and the terrain, like really reminded me of that. Um, but yeah, it's a puzzle solving exploration game, a game that I didn't even think I would ever have interest in. Um, and there's so much to it without it saying a lot. Like you're the protagonist is a fox, so you're not speaking to things. Um, you can sometimes hear things and see clues and stuff but uh uh this is definitely a game that i would say check out i think it's like eight bucks on pc right now too um but if you can grab a next gen version uh donnie was pretty bummed he was following me along on twitter he was very excited to play it realize it's not on xbox uh oh or at least not on series x maybe not on xbox entirely so he wasn't able to purchase it and play it. He was planning on doing it that night. <laughs> um, so he, I think he tweeted, they settled for spirit fairs. But uh, uh, yes, uh, major props. Very proud of my wife also for actually taking the time to relax. She never does that, which was nice to see. I kept encouraging her, stay, sit, I'll bring, what do you want? Like, enjoy, like, dude, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, of course, I'll use that as blackmail in the future when I want to sit down and play a game all day. Like, you remember <laughs> that day? <laughs> um, but yeah, Spirit, uh, Spirit of the North. Check it out. You can check out my Twitter, too. There's like just dozens of pictures of it. Yeah, I, I started it. I'm not very far. I just played for a little bit. Yeah. I, I feel like the controls are maybe a little stiff. Yeah. But 
otherwise though i mean i i think for especially the price like the mood atmosphere everything is really really good so yeah you can tell it's definitely independent game because there's definitely um clipping and stuff like that but it's it's forgivable at least for me it was yeah i think because of the style of game it is i don't think it's a big deal yeah it's not worse than any tomb raider you've played (laughs) (laughs) yeah cool cool cool. awesome so what is your topic too then, sir? Hey, so uh, I thought D&D was all about using your imagination, Kyle. I know you get to see the prompts I write, but I still have to read them. Uh, it, You know, th- this is more of just a segue into this story. It's not even much of a story. It's really just a topic I wanted to talk about. So WizKids um, reveals a massive in uh, miniature set for D&D um, Icons of the Realm. So... I, I find it really funny, and I think it's probably more using the D&D name than it is incorporating the D&D role-playing game. I think it's specifically part of the miniatures game world, but I could also be wrong in that. But uh, WizKids, they're, they've been, I don't know, they're, they're a pretty successful company. I, I want to say they've been picking up steam in the past like five years where they've really acquired a lot of IP and in and, and their own games as well. But they revealed this $350 in miniature set with an LED fireplace. Um, the list of what it comes with is too long for me to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it's called the Yawning Portal Inn, and you would literally be yawning by the end of me explaining everything that came with it. But Josh, we really need to know that it comes with a left bar back wall piece, a right bar back wall piece. And two piece. nightstands. <laughs> <laughs> three, five, three bottle clusters, yes. Uh, it goes on. Uh, it's on 28 millimeter scale. It works with D&D Icons of the Realms miniatures, which means it is big enough, an inn that is big enough for you to actually put regular miniatures figures in there. Um, So really, I just wanted to to ask you, do you think there is a world where this would be a hobby of yours? Do you find the miniatures as like, portion of role-playing games to be important like like something that is needed to enjoy these um i'm not trying to criticize anyone who who uses these or plays with these but i just can't help but think of how many board games i could buy or even miniatures if i'm playing miniatures games with like the cost of that and if you have an end do you have to scale it to your world and like how do you even set that up? <laughs> yeah, I think this is always an interesting one because I've never obviously played a tabletop RPG. I really want to, but I haven't. I don't know that I would need something like this for me to enjoy it. But I also know that from my time when I played Warhammer and all those good things, the folks who are really, really into terrain and creating terrain and building a place where their things happen we're really passionate about it now this is pretty much a completed for you thing like hey here's this thing i you know i guess cool that it exists it's not something that i would need but if it makes someone else happy and they would really enjoy it and they have 350 dollars to spend (laughs) on it go to town i i i guess it it doesn't bother me that it exists i i just know that 
so there are some people who are going to think this is like the coolest thing ever. Yes. And I'm glad that exists for those people. Two spiral staircases. Beds. No walls, though, for those bedrooms. <laughs> uh, I think it's really cool, actually. Honestly, I, I love that this is available for people. Um, I can't help but think it's so... You could just buy a PS4, uh, a PS5 digital, basically, for the same price. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I also understand that there's two different worlds. Like, while we board game and video game, there definitely is a world where they people who board game only board game. And if they work at the game, that money is going into board gaming, not video games. So um, I think it's cool it exists. I really, I really find these things fascinating when like going to a convention and you and you like inevitably like stray into the miniature section and you just see giant tables and they're full. They're like a sixteen foot table, which is just a battlefield or. Gr- you know, grass and tanks or built like, like a Normandy set, like dilapidate, like destroyed buildings and wharf. Like I always, it's so intimidating to me. It's probably why I never got into it. And if I was rich and I had a house that was like, I had a basement that was as long as my house, maybe I would like set up a miniatures thing in my basement. Um, But it, it is always a cool thing to me. I just can't wrap my head around around it but i'm also coming from a different area where i have both next-gen consoles so like i'm not criticizing anyone who spends 350 dollars on this i just can't in my brain see myself doing that um but that pit looks super cool in the middle uh there's just so much detail to it Uh, if you get if people want to check it out this is also on icv2 um you can check it out same same author jeffrey dom uh, sanchez uh, just check it out. There's a, I think there's like, uh, there's 41 images in the gallery. So there's definitely a lot of detailed pictures taken. So yeah, check it out. The Yawning Portal Inn from Whiskits. Awesome. Very, very cool. All right, Josh. It's back as promised. Yeah, I'm excited. We are going to be answering the board game subreddit's most burning questions. And I, I always really enjoy these questions. I think they're great because I always have this assumption that people who, and I had this assumption big time for video games, and that has been proven so false, that I always thought that if someone was going to take the time to hang out on a subreddit for a thing they're passionate about, they'd be extremely knowledgeable about that thing. And I have <laughs> since learned that many, many people go there when they are looking for knowledge on said thing rather than just hanging out there if they're knowledgeable. So that's kind of cool, right? Go figure, I, thought huh? it would just be... <laughs> I know. I just thought it would be a whole bunch of people who were arguing about the minutia of something when it's a lot of people coming for help or a lot of people who are just asking about, hey, I'm just getting into XYZ. Tell me about this. Because then it helps me understand better why people will post things. And I'm like, <laughs> that's not even really close to right. But okay, but now I see why. And that's not a bad thing or a good thing. It just is what it is. Most of those Reddit users are on 2chan now, so that's why. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. Okay. So here's the first question from uh, user The Big McTasty, which is a great name. The Big what? The Big McTasty. The Big McTasty. The Big McTasty. That's probably the best part of the segment is the usernames. Whether or not I can actually say the (laughs) usernames. No, the the actual usernames. (laughs) Yeah. So, all right. So here's the question. What's a game that for you is almost worth it? This is open to interpretation. Maybe it's almost worth the price, or it's almost enough to fun to justify your time, oh. or any other way you interpret the question. So, Josh, 
What's a game for you that is almost worth it? Ooh, there's actually, I think, a bunch of games that fit that category. But they said for the price, so I think... No, it's whatever you interpreted uh, as. That was just an example. I mean, the first thing that came to mind was Scythe, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, but I don't feel comfortable... I've only played a, the digital adaptation, but knowing what I paid for it physically, <laughs> it makes me think like it's almost there. Um, but if I'm going to pick a game that I have played... Oh, that's that's that actually is tough, I think. Um, cause there's so many, like I bought Seafall. It's probably almost worth it. I paid $21 <laughs> for it. Uh, geez. Uh, you know, flip ships I'll go with flip ships is almost worth it. And I think that price is not involved in that. I think, um, it's a very specific type of dexterity game. And I, and I say specific because I feel like there's, there's, there is an audience for it, and I am in that audience. But I don't think that's a game that you can just break out at a game at a game night that everyone's going to be into. I think Tokyo Highway hits more of that mm-hmm. because it's more fun and funny when something bad happens in Tokyo Highway. When in Flip Ships, it's just frustrating. Like I'm trying to aim at this thing, like you know, like. That there's more being frustrated at your own skill slash lack of skill that I think it's like, it's almost, it's almost a great game. So I would say that maybe I, I would pick flip ships. No offense to King one. Clinko. I like him oh, very much. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a great one. Uh, I think for my answer to this, the things that are almost worth it are this type of game is a game that I should love. Because from a style perspective, they're games I always really enjoy, but just have never been a game I've gotten into because it's not quite worth it. And that's living card games. Oh, yeah, that's a good answer. Like, I really, I think I would love them. But even though I think the model of how they're, how you get basically everything when you buy an expansion, like you get everything you need. I just don't know that I have someone or have ever had people in my life that are as into those types of games that I am. Yeah. So it's just at this point, not worth it for me to get into one. So I would like to, I look at them all the time, but it's just not quite worth it for me at this point. So that would be my answer is living card. You games. know what I think and and maybe you can adopt this as well. <clears throat> what I've been trying to do recently, and I'm trying to remember, I think it happened with legends of the five rings. Um, I want to adopt a dead living card game. And and I tried to do it with Ashes, right? So they they killed Ashes. I know it's back. Rise of yeah. the Phoenix Board. Um, but when they killed it, uh, Plat Hat started giving away full sets. And then a bunch of stuff went on sale. And then the same thing happened with the Lord of the Rings um, and Star Wars, both in the past, where there were moments where they announced the game's dead and then they just did like a liquidation thing. Right. So you can now, now it doesn't have to be a living card game. It can just be a complete card game. And that's what I think our goal should be like the star Wars LCG. There was a moment where on Amazon, you could get like all the sets. Even I think Lucas from uh, flux and PSVG prime got his hands on the base set, like really cheap. 
Um, I, it might have been at a yard sale or something, but knowing that you can now get all the expansions in the base game and that you don't have to keep buying, that's more appealing to me. Even though when that game existed, it was a living card game. So it still has all the benefits of uh, of that for the time it was around. I just wish it was easier to find them because I think people do the same thing. They jump at like, hey, we just we got to buy this before it's gone. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a great. No, that would be really fun to put together a game that is just quote unquote done and just getting everything and having your own little. It's almost like having a cube for magic. Yeah, exactly. It is exactly like that. Yeah. So that would be that was going to be my second choice was magic. Almost worth it. Yeah, you <laughs> almost worth <laughs> so. it. And, yeah, until they tell you it's not worth anything anymore. <laughs> Correct. All right. So here's the next question from username Take Note. Did you play less or more games than average this year, and why? <laughs> less. Uh, in fact, we were talking about, I thought we were doing a top five. If we're going to do a top ten, it might just be every board game I've played this year ranked. Yeah, who knows what we'll do for board games. Board <laughs> games, it might not be a top ten. We'll have to wait and see. Um, yeah, it was a tough year, right? Um, and while I typically play board games with my wife anyways, where I get my plays in, um, I mean what 11 straight months of depression doesn't really lead to a great board gaming time. Uh, and yeah. I'm being honest, like um, it, it hasn't been a great year for board games. And for me, I'm not saying in general, so I definitely played less and, and I, I haven't really sat down to try to figure out, I'll probably do that this week um, to figure out how many games I've played this year and what, but I, I can definitely say it's, it's less than, it's probably a quarter of last year's. Yeah, this year started off at actually a really good pace where I was easily ahead of the year before. Yeah. And then with everything that happened with COVID, it has just dropped off. And summer traditionally had been a time that I played less games anyway. And obviously in the last month, our number of games we've played has increased exponentially. We've played so many games in the last month because it's gotten colder out. House projects are done. You know, spending time outside is <laughs> now miserable because it's cold. So even, you know... During COVID, it's like, well, you're not supposed to be around people. At least you can go out into public places uh, where it was nice outside and, st and stay socially distanced. Now you can go outside to cold places and be like, I don't want to be here. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, I'm hoping that, you know, this strong number of games that we haven't played as of late continues. But still, there's only another month left in the year. So realistically, my total number of games is going to be less than it was the year before. But I am hopeful that, you know, with everything that supposedly is on the horizon, um, that could turn around a little bit for next year. And I can get to a happier place as far as the number of games that I've played. Because it is definitely down hmm. this year, which is a bummer. All right, Josh, next question. And maybe this will be a topic for a later show. We'll have to wait and see. But right now, if you had to... What's on? Oh, this is from user Ryan one twelve Ryan. What's on your wish list this holiday? Oh boy! And you you mentioned that. I, and the second you mentioned that, I realized we told Schplag we were going to make his question a topic, and we never did. I know. I figured, <laughs> depending on how things went with December, um, then pre-recording some episodes, <laughs> that it might be a good topic for a pre-recorded episode because it's a pretty yeah. evergreen yeah. thing. So I didn't forget about it. We just haven't used it. <laughs> well, yet. I so did forget about it. <laughs> so, oh, okay. so my apologies. Um, all right. So I pulled out my wish list. Um, I'm going to actually actually add one. So right away, I have unmatched Cobble and Fog. I'm going to have to add Buffy because they just released that. 
Um, the King's Dilemma. Okay, that one's on mine too. Uh, Crusaders, Thy Will Be Done by Tasty Minstrel Games. Uh, Aeon's End Legacy and the Broken Token Organizer for it. Uh, Quacks of Quedlinburg, the Herb Witches expansion. Village, the board game, because of my Kenner Spiel list. Uh, as well as Broom Service, the full board game. I have the card game. Uh, Thunder and Lightning. Oh my gosh. The two, it's a two-player game. It's supposed to be very good. It's it's normally, I think, like a $30 game. It's at $80 right now. Oh, goodness um, gracious. Hand of Fate, uh, Ordeals, which is based on the video game, but it's the board game. Uh, Ravensburgers, The Rise of Queensdale, which is a legacy game. And um, Renegade Games, Raiders of the North Sea. That is my currently on my Amazon wish list. Well, that, oh, you went to your official Amazon? Yeah, if, if people go. want, I'll share it on Twitter. <laughs> You'll share the link. Like all those cam girls, and you can just buy me, and I'll wear them in my next video. <laughs> so I do want to say, I wish Eclipse uh, Second Dawn for the Galaxy, so the new version of Eclipse was on my list. I have the original Eclipse and have never you played do. it. You do. I got to so watch that video. Think I just, yeah, so I don't think I could justify getting the second edition of it, since I've never played the first edition. But my goodness, does that second edition game look amazing? Oh, goodness. Uh, but yeah, Kings of Lama is on mine. Uh, the new expansion for Wingspan, I would like to get. Uh, that oh, is yeah. something that I have not um, gotten yet, the Oceana expansion. Uh, Lost Ruins of Arnok uh, is on mine. That is a game I would like to pick up at some point here soon. I, I am debating about, and I don't know because I have to do some more research on it, but I think I would like Beyond the Sun. That is something that is uh, looking pretty interesting and trying to get some more strategy style games because I have a lot of co-ops and a lot of big dice rolly games. So trying to get at things that are a little more um, a little more Euro-y, a little more helpful that uh, the partner likes so that we can kind of do those. Um, Dune Imperium is something that I've heard oh, really great yeah. things about yep. um, and is on the list as a possible option as well. And, you know... <laughs> as a joke on my list uh is definitely the reprint of kingdom death monster <laughs> <laughs> just because talk about wanting to buy a console or a board game well there's your option there do you want a console <laughs> or do you want to buy kingdom death monster i would love to own that game someday but i just don't know that it's in the card Would so you I really call it is a that wish something list. you really want uh, to say i have it yeah oh, as a collector's piece yeah i would exactly. you know it's funny that you i I can't not um, unsee uh, what's it, what's is it Jason from Dice Tower? Oh, his, his collection that he the had, Catan uh, limited edition. Oh yes, that's yes, on yes. my that if that's on yours, that's my wish list. That I think it's like a three hundred dollar Catan setup. Yeah, no, that thing is pretty impressive. So. But that's kind of what's on my list right now. I'm actually trying really hard to play the games I have because I have a lot of games. I just got another shipping notification for another game. Um, the next Gollum edition game. Yes, I'm. it's coming this week. I'm so excited. Yeah, I just got Yeah, I got my shipping notice for that. So I was like, oh, man, more games I got to get played. Not in a bad way. Just uh, I, got, kind of I showed it to my wife. She's like, you got the play mat too, right? I was like, yes, I did. And we haven't yeah, played New World too. yet. So this will be our first time playing and like fresh the, th- the third yeah so all right how uh, do you want to do one or two more let's do two more man okay uh what oh where did it go here we go from user severe bit seven what's one thing you would change or fix about board gaming 
Wow. What a question. What is one thing you would change or fix? Well, the thing I would want to fix, I don't know that I could fix it. Because it's like the toxic nature that is still there, you know? Yeah. I, okay, I would. What I would want to fix is I want. I would want to fix um, board game elitism. Um, if you want to say you're a fan of board games, then you need to be a fan of not just board games that you like, but board games in general as a hobby. Meaning, people, you, you can't be putting people down for liking Monopoly or. Scrabble or the game of life. If it's a board game, you you have to accept it. You are part of a, a majority of people who used to be a minority. Don't become what you hated. Like, don't make yourself ex, like exclusionary to other people because this is a hobby that was created out of. Uh, out of a group of people who felt unwanted, so to speak. Like, I'm not sure. I'm sure that these games weren't created because they felt unwanted, but it, it's, I mean, I don't know. It, it's possible, but it certainly became this thing in the 70s and 80s and in until the 2010s that you were not accepted if this it was the type of person you are. And why all of a sudden are you now gatekeeping your own hobby? And telling people that they can't do something because you think what you're doing is cooler or what they're doing. Like, I just watched Tom Vassell review the new, the Catan 25th anniversary edition. And even at the beginning, he said, you know, listen, like, this is a game. I don't play it very much anymore. I think there's a lot of better games out there. But under influential board games, this is in the top three games that I would ever mention. Uh, and, and I think that's important to remember. And if I could fix part of the board game hobby, it would be this notion that board games aren't created equal. And I think they are. So that's what I would change. And that's more like, that's like if I got a wish from the genie, I would wish for world peace. <laughs> that's not like, I don't want to come from a holier than holier than thou spot, but I really... As a person who loves, still loves Monopoly and still loves Catan and still loves Ticket to Ride and can also play Cloudspire and can also play a legacy game, I really think that, that this elitis, the elitism stuff needs to go away. So that's what I think, Kyle. <laughs> no, that's good. That's really good. I've been trying to think of like a serious answer and almost more of a jokey answer, and your serious answer was really good. <laughs> so I am going to go with a jokey answer, and I am going to once again call for the making sure all game boxes are the same size. <laughs> My shelves would work so much better, and if we even want to do like two sizes, like a size for small games and a size for big games, that's fine. And if your game is bigger than one box, then you can have it be in two boxes or in a big box and a little box. But all game boxes need to become the same size so we can have shelving that actually works. So that, again, is my call to fix that about board gaming. Let's get consistent box sizes. <laughs> no more metal tins. Hey. No more bags of boxes. For or bo bags of games. <laughs> <laughs> Just consistent sizing. Okay. Last question then from user Watermelon. Oh no, Watermelon Eleven. Smart. 
<laughs> Hi, I'm a newbie. Hello, guys. I'm quite new to board games, and I see this, quote, Euro game, unquote, <laughs> expression a lot. Can someone help me? What is this about? Oh. So, Josh, if you had to explain a Euro game, or what is a Euro game, because we know we love definitions yes. of what's an RPG, what is, how would you explain, what is a Euro game? What makes a game a Euro? All right, if I was in, like, a bar having a beer with this person, and they asked me this mm-hmm. question, I would say, okay. You be him or her, sir or madam, uh, yeah. or non non binary human being. Yes. Think of a board game. I'm thinking of okay, one. Now think of a now now make it ten times more difficult. That's a Euro game. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, kidding, kidding, mostly, but not really. Um, what is a Euro game? A Euro game is a game that is, in my mind, is. The game mechanisms are typically focused around gathering resources to do certain tasks. In my head, that's what I would consider a Euro. And there's so many different ways you can do that, but the most I think the most simplified way to explain it is gathering resources to complete a task that has that needs said resources to complete. You that's are really... the bigger expert, though, on Euros. No, that's really, really good. It's funny because this is one of the topics that has a, a lot of responses to it. And some people feel very strongly about it. And I, I think yours in general, your definition is very similar to what I do or how I would explain it. That Basically, the purpose of the game is you making decisions about what actions you're going to take. And those actions are what lead to you winning potentially the game. You might need to gain resources for it, but it's not a roll, and then you go decide where you go. You pick the actions you take in an effort to find your way to victory. And I, that sounds really like clear and not clear at the same time, because it's like, well, what are those actions? Well, it depends on the game, right? It could be anything, depending on the game. Yeah. So it really is just about player action um, and what you choose to do um, in general, like... I think most euros have like lower randomness. That doesn't mean they're completely free of random. There are definitely euros where you still like roll dice and all of those good things. But even in those situations, traditionally, you are picking the action. And then when you roll, it's like how effective that action was, right? Yeah. So it's not like, and that's again, not 100% true because games blur the line so much. But in general, I just think it's much, much more about worker placement is ostensibly action selection, right? You are choosing what you are going to do on your turn to try to find a path forward to victory. And that's really what I think Euro games are in a nutshell. I'm sure someone could totally destroy that and be like, no, it's this, but that's kind of generally how I think of them. So cool. Well, that is as returned answering board gaming subreddits, most burning questions. Don't worry. I'm sure it will be back in the future. Josh, what is your third topic? this Hey, so my third topic is, well, it looks like we might be getting a sequel to a game sooner than we think. Uh, and I'm I'm pulling this from, this is a story from Eurogamer. Oh, interesting. I wonder who their source I was wonder. for this story. Um, so it's by Vicky Blake. You're not, not Vicky Vale, but cl- close. Uh, so Forza Horizon 5, which we knew we were waiting for, for Xbox Series X, um, mm-hmm. was rumored to be coming out after the next Forza game, but we but then we were told 
you know, hold your horses. We're developing Forza Motorsport with this whole new engine that, you know, is going to take advantage of the Series X. All the rays will be traced. All of them. Uh, so, um, in, in the podcast of the Xbox Empire, weird, um, I think that's on our network. Is that right? Oh my gosh. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, from the PS Features Network. Uh, so Game Beats, Jeff Grubb, the Jeff Grubb, uh, revealed he suspects we might get the next Forza Horizon game first, even though Playground Games, who have been working on Fable, um, have yet to confirm this game is in development. So I actually... I don't want to get too much into this is a little plug of a plug of a plug inception wise. Like this is a shout out to um, Elaine and Donnie on the Xbox empire. Elaine. I said, Elaine, that is, it is Elaine, right? Because I, every time I say it, I second guess it. It better be Elaine. Cause I'm going to look like a dummy. <laughs> if it's not. Um, uh, they're doing great work over there and they had Jeff grab on to talk about this. So, so I want to ask you a couple questions about this first. I know you're not a racing game fan, so I'm not going to pry you on racing game stuff. Um, but do you even, do you think Forza Horizon Five is an option right now? With knowing that Playground Games has been working on Fable. Oh, I think it totally is, and I think you know Playground Games might be. Hmm, is this okay? This might be controversial. I don't know. Uh, Playground Games might be the best team working on Xbox games right I now. I 100% agree with you on that, actually. So it, that would not surprise me. They might be kind of, especially if this comes to fruition. And obviously, you know, we probably have a few years for Fable still, or maybe a year, maybe 2022. But still, if they can release Forza Horizon 5 in 2021 and Fable a year or two after that, they really might be kind of the champion of Xbox um, games and really helping ensure that the the success of that console and really keeping Xbox at the forefront of people's minds, kind of like Insomniac is doing for PlayStation with having Miles Morales out now, having Ratchet and Clank out early next year. And then, you know, we already know for sure that another Spider-Man is coming, like having that, putting out good games, putting out good games at a reasonably quick clip, um, I think it's something really for them to hang their hats on. So I totally think it is possible that Forza Horizon 5 might be coming next year. Cool. I thought I did get my Series X. I will talk about that at some point. But we have some best of shows coming up. So may, you might not hear about it until January. But I will say that I have been playing uh, Forza Horizon 4 on my Series X. Um, I'm not going to talk about the nightmare that my Series X has been so far especially compared to my PlayStation 5. But <laughs> I'm hoping these hiccups work themselves out by the new year, and then I can tell you positive things about it. But Forza Horizon 4, noticeably different. Like, that that Miles Morales um, um, performance the mode change. Frames, like, yeah. Just the detail in the cars in Forza uh, blew my mind at how good it looks. But anyways... Um, before I ask you my next question, I'm going to to use their quote. They quoted Digital Foundry, and they say, Forza Horizon 4 isn't just one of the best Xbox exclusives. It's also one of the greatest racing games ever made. That is Digital Foundry on their analysis of the Forza Horizon 4 upgrade on the series S and X. Now, my question to you, spitting off of this, Forza Horizon 4, was born from Forza Motorsport. And I would say mm-hmm. it as arguably 
overtaken exceeded uh the like forza motorsport as far as popularity goes what is and i already have my answer if you want to think about it what is a game that you like or love that you would love to see a a spin-off in a diff in like in a different style so like forza motorsport is a simulation game forza horizon is an arcade game what is a game that you like, love, maybe even don't like, that you would like to see them take the same franchise and make it into a different style of game? That is a great question. Why don't you share yours okay. while I think? So about mine it. is it's it is it is uh, to be honest, it's kind of a cheat because it has almost been done, but not to its full potential in my mind. And that's Mass Effect as a third-person shooter, uh, like multiplayer game, like a Fortnite-style game. It has kind of been done with Mass Effect 3, right? You had multiplayer, but I'm talking like all full resources into a Mass Effect multiplayer game. Uh, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be the same multiplayer they did. It could be more Destiny. It could be more Call of Duty. But I really think there's so much in that. It's literally a whole universe, right? And there's so many characters um, my first thought was like a PlayStation Battle Royale All Stars, but we already had that kind of. Um, because I was like, let's get Uncharted in there. Uh, but I would I would like to see like a, a Mass Effect universe style, like kind of what they did with Titanfall, like a Mass Effect universe style shooter where you're taking out my favorite parts of Mass Effect, which is the RPG elements. Um, but you're really focusing on there's so much good um tech in Mass Effect, from the guns to the abilities. Um, even thinking like Spellbreak, like it would be real cool to see them like amalgamate that into a game where you're using biotics and all this weaponry to fight against each other. Very similar to like the, the multiplayer they did, but even though like I, I know we both liked, I think it was Mass Effect 2's multiplayer a lot, um, I really think there that it was kind of tacked on. It wasn't a full effort, uh, which is unfortunate because of how good it was. I would love to see a full version of that. Um, and if I have to use a, like not a cheat answer, because that is kind of really a cheat answer, um, I would love to see a Silent Hill RPG where if you keep all the horror elements, right? Uh, but you're in, in RPG in the sense of like um, these new style RPGs, like the Final Fantasy 15s or the Lost Odyssey games, where or Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, where you're still exploring the world in like open ish. But I think it would be really cool to see Silent Hill keep the horror element, but you have like turn based attacks, and you have. Like, you're still the dad. Maybe you're the dad and the mom looking for the daughter. Um, and you're just kind of, like, adept, but you're not... Like, this isn't, like, summons. Like, you're not calling in, like... Or, like, you're not Mario jumping on Goomba's heads. You're just trying to survive. <laughs> um, I think it could be really cool uh, in the way they could handle that. Um, I'm not saying these are award-winning ideas, but those are the things I, I thought of. No, those are great. And my struggle is the first one I thought of, I know is happening, 
but I don't know how it's happening, oh. if that makes sense. Okay. Because the first thing I thought of is Overwatch with a campaign. Yes. And we know that a campaign of some sort is coming to Overwatch with Overwatch 2. Yeah. Then we know, well, we don't know, really, really strongly believe that Overwatch 2 is going to be heavily featured at the Digital BlizzCon in February. Rumors are pointing to the beta is actually going to release then oh. for Overwatch 2. Because they have pushed back the Overwatch League to April. Okay, that may, yeah. So I it's you. sounding like that Overwatch Two is going to at least be playable for them to be able to do the entire next Overwatch League season on in in Overwatch Two. And I don't know if this mode is going to be more similar to like a Mortal Kombat story mode, where you play with every character for a little bit of time, and then you move on to new characters, yeah. and then you kind of you know. Or, that would be fine. Like, I'd be okay with that. And I know there's some characters who are going to be more heavily featured. They're going to have additional kind of abilities and powers. But I would really like a much more fully fleshed out, like, and I don't want to say Uncharted style, but Uncharted style or very linear campaign yeah. where you are spending two or three hours ideally more with like every single character and as, there's a ton of characters so it wouldn't have to all be on day one but if every like four five even six months we got another chunk of of campaign that was like here's now the campaign for this person here's the campaign for this person just to fill out that world to give us more story and back and backstory because that world is so cool and so rich and there's so many fun things going on but you have to actively participate outside of the game to understand all that stuff yeah and I think that's challenging, and you, they lose a lot of people about it. Uh, it's nice, though, because, you know, for as many people talk about Overwatch being a dead game, who play a lot of Overwatch and who seem to love the game, uh, you know, the last one's report showed that it had over 10 million monthly active users still, which, in comparison to other games right now, not necessarily a ton, but for a game that came out in 2016 and is stuck in an old revenue model, not too bad. Yeah. Do you, do so. you remember forever ago when we got Street Fighter Cross Tekken? And at this, I at mean, the same time, they announced we were going to get Tekken Cross Street Fighter, cross Street and we Fighter, never yeah. got the Tekken version. Right? Do you think Overwatch and Diablo could do that? Do you think you could get an Overwatch Diablo game in a Diablo Overwatch game? So, uh, okay, so here, mm, the only challenge I think you'd run into is that Overwatch characters really transition nicely into places that. You have to have multiple people yeah. because some of them are so specific in the roles that they do that they might not be super effective in just being able to, by yourself, play through a Diablo-style game. Now, you could change the powers and abilities. Like, you could adapt it to make it that way. But I wonder, I worry that the characters would, like, kind of lose feeling like sure. them, if that makes sense. So, I think it would be cool. Like, I would be totally down for it, especially if you did, like, a... Even I would even be okay if it was mandatory multiplayer, at least like three player multiplayer, um, <laughs> where you went into a Diablo style game, you had like a tank, a DPS, and a support, and like went in and did that. I would be totally down for that. That'd be very cool. See, Josh, look at this. Just, just you need to go work at all these companies. You can be the idea. Yeah, just sitting around being like, do you guys think this is a good idea? <laughs> <laughs> like, what are we paying you for? <laughs> uh, anything else you want to say then about? Uh, hey, maybe the uh, maybe a new Forza Horizon Five. I Honestly, I want to say shout out to Xbox Empire. Shout out to Donnie. Um, this is why we, well, this isn't why we do these things, right? This is a pleasant byproduct. We do these things because we're passionate, right? 
when we get these guests on and we're we're no stranger to guests we just haven't had this pop for us like they have um where you want to talk to people in the industry and you're genuinely excited and i think what this shows is for the xbox empire quality product right so this means people are paying attention and they're not just quoting jeff grubb they're like hey it happened on this podcast so people can check it out so like uh, just props to to the Xbox Empire. You guys are doing a great job, and and uh, keep on keep on doing that because we're fans of you guys for sure. Well, and I think just to be obviously the all of the podcasts over at PSVG are great, but I think yes, yes they are, sorry. especially <laughs> with my love for PlayStation, that is well known. I do want to say that I think the Xbox Empire and the Nintendo Shack both. Uh, have really hit their stride. And this is not to say that other podcasts on the network haven't. I just want to say with my biases aside, they are both crushing it. They're doing a great yeah. job. The shows I think are as good as they have ever been. Um, and they're they're really doing some special stuff over there. So if you have not given the shows a listen, any of the shows really, um, but like I said, if you are a PlayStation person like myself, just know that there are really approachable, really awesome to listen to shows that are focused on uh, other gaming that you might not be as interested in or spend as much time in that uh, universe that are still great listens. So check them out. All right, Josh, our show, uh, like always, is going a little longer than anticipated. We started so late, remember? Blow. I know, I know. Yes, no, I started you late. It's fine, it's fine. <laughs> um, I'm looking at the timer on my recording. Oh, That's what well. I'm looking at. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to kind of go through quickly this next topic. Um, and that a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the golden joysticks and how those nominees have been announced and we picked our winners in every category. And I know Josh has a photographic memory, <laughs> uh, so he's going to remember everything that we picked, totally. uh, but we're going to go through very briefly the list of winners. If there's something you want to talk about, Josh, just interject and I will stop talking and we can talk about them. Does that sound like a plan? This sounds like a great opportunity for Josh vocal reaction. Oh, that is perfect. All right, here we go. Your reaction to every one of the winners, Josh. All right, best storytelling, The Last of Us 2. Uh -huh. Best multiplayer game, Fall Guys. <laughs> best visual design, The Last of Us 2. Uh -huh. Best game expansion, No Man's Sky Origins. <laughs> Mobile game of the year, Lego Builder's Journey. Uh -huh. Best audio, The Last of Us 2. <laughs> best indie game, Hades. Still playing, Minecraft. Dungeons? Studio of the Year, Naughty Dog. Yeah. <laughs> Esports Game of the Year, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Sure. Best New Streamer Broadcaster, I Am Brandon. Who? Best Family Game, Fall Guys. Uh... Best Gaming Community, Minecraft. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Best Performer, Sandra Saad as Kamala yeah, Khan. Yeah, I liked her. She was good. Breakthrough Award, Inner Sloth for Among Us. Oh, sure. Okay. Outstanding contribution, the gaming industry. So what? there's a whole long list if you go to the <laughs> if you go to the list that talks about all of the things about all of what they're talking about. But the gaming industry, what? Is that your reaction? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. PC game of the year, Death Stranding. PC PlayStation game of the year? Best gaming hardware, <laughs> NVIDIA GeForce RTX thirty eight. If you can find one. PlayStation game of the year, The Last of Us Two. Um. Xbox Game of the Year, or in the Will of the Wisps. Only Xbox Game of the Year. Nintendo Game of the Year, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Uh-huh. Most Wanted Game, God of War Ragnarok. Hey, Alana Pierce is writing that. <laughs> Critics' Choice, Hey. Yeah, Josh's Choice. Ultimate Game of the Year, The Last of Us 2. That was a category? It was. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So there are all your winners for the Golden Joysticks. Just very broad, Josh. Overall, what are your thoughts? Uh, uh, 
<laughs> yeah, uh, honestly, uh, I'm happy to see Last of Us 2 win so many awards with what we were assuming, and I think one of our questions, our listener questions addresses that. Um, could be tough in a depressing year. Um, so I, I think it's uh, good for them. I think that Hades won just the right amount of awards for people not to get incredibly angry, apparently. So good for Hades. Um, uh, I, I like to see the Golden Joystick Awards every year. Uh, I, it definitely adds um, a few extra categories that we don't see in, uh, in other awards. So um, overall... Uh, I mean, that PC game of the year is a mistake, but, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, otherwise great. I can't believe it beat all of those other PC games. <laughs> it did beat all of them. Awesome. All right, Josh, uh, very quickly prediction time. What news will be announced on Monday before our Ooh. podcast releases on Tuesday? Uh, cyberpunk is delayed. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I am going with we get a some sort of release date for a game that currently is just like spring 2021. I don't know what game that's going to be, but some some game is going to come out and lock down the release like horizon date. or something. Yeah, we'll see. So cool. Uh, we do have a listener question, Josh. Why don't you take us through it? We do. Splig at Nobelicious hits us up on Twitter. He says 2020 sucks unless you're a gamer. Just the fact that the the Last of Us two isn't a shoe in for all the awards. Wow, really disappointed how gamers reacted to the Last of Us two. Outside of the Mass Effect endings, when else? Now, now this is Splig coming after you guys, not us. Uh, when else has have gamers shown their whiny baby sides? Uh, <laughs> Uh, Gamergate, I think, is probably an easy one for me to say. <laughs> um, but if I do gamer outcry <laughs> and Google it, what do you think is going to come up? Because I remember uh, Diablo getting announced as a mobile game oh, instead goodness, of them one. announcing Diablo 4. Basically, the fact that Blizzard wasn't bombed the next day is surprising uh, based on the internet reactions. What do you do? You have anything that pops out of your mind? Out of so your mine. Mind? What am I saying, Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> I I hear what you're saying. Mine goes to something that I think could be tied to many many situations, and that is, uh, if you disagree with something, that suddenly you decide the best response is to send people death threats. Oh, crunch, delays. <laughs> yeah. Anything like I. I, the last of us part two if you don't like it that's fine don't send death threats to the people who created it uh just in general uh if a exclusive no longer is an exclusive don't send death threats to people like there are just so many things like that <laughs> one of those games just won Which, pc game of the year <laughs> <laughs> exactly it totally did uh if somebody likes a game on xbox don't just chime in and tell them it's too bad they're not playing on playstation like who cares let the person play the game where they want to it's fine. Yeah. It, I, I, mm. <laughs> it. Social media is always one of those weird double-edged sword things of, if I make a post, I clearly, I am I expecting no one to respond to me? But if my only responses I get are, or if the only responses I can think of are snarky ones, like, is that really the thing for me to do? If you're so upset a game is delayed, 
that you're willing to do something illegal where the FBI could potentially try to find your IP and you think that's still fine, you got a problem. You might you might that be a redneck. A <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. laughs> well, my Jeff yeah. Fox really came out there. <laughs> yeah. Gamers clearly do a lot of really great things. Obviously, if you look at just Extra Life this year and how much money was raised, yeah. like a lot of really good things happen in the community. People do a lot of great stuff. But just like any passionate subgroup of, you know, any f- when fans turn to fandom, that sometimes is when things get a, a little ugly. And unfortunately, games are, are no exception to that. And because of technology being so prevalent in games and the way game culture is just so constantly online uh it, it tends to i think show that ugly side a little more often than maybe other industries do yeah. uh, publicly at least so, so to answer your question like when you asked when else have gamers shown their whiny baby sets uh, i think our answer is every, every day, day. <laughs> yeah <laughs> nailed it <laughs> so all right but hey overall there's more, still more good people than bad people. Like there's still more great people than not great people. Just make sure if you're a great person and you like something, make sure you tell people that you like stuff. That's important. So anyway, yes. with that, <laughs> we're going to move on to our well-rounded life recommendations. Obviously we're a gaming podcast, but we do want to give you one other recommendation, uh, suggestion or thing we're currently into that is helping us live that well-rounded life. Josh, what is your recommendation this week? Hey, so... <laughs> I think I realized how hard this year has been when I cried watching Corey Carson's Christmas special, which is a children's animated car cartoon on Netflix. And then when I cried during this film and I was like, oh my God, I'm just crying when people are genuinely having fun. Uh, This is bad. And I said to my wife, it's going to be a long December. (laughs) My recommendation (laughs) is Jingle Jangle on Netflix. This is uh, with Forrest Whitaker and Keegan-Michael Key. It is a musical Christmas movie. I wouldn't say musical. It has music numbers in it. It's as musical as Frozen is, except it's live action. There's a scene where they just had a snowball fight in the street, and I cried because people were just happy. And I... Just started crying for no reason. <laughs> but Josh, that's like when I cry, cried during Miles Morales. Yeah, they. It was like the same thing. Go. It's just because, like, yeah, I just happiness and goodness, and I was like, I can't. What is I, this? I can't yep, handle it. You nailed it. I couldn't handle it. I just had a tough moment with that, and I was watching it with my family, and it felt super nice. Uh, this movie is a great Christmas movie. It really is um, not talked about enough. Uh, to whet your appetite, it is about a inventor. Uh, in fact, uh, I believe they filmed this movie in the actual bookshop from Harry Potter. So there's already like magic <laughs> inherently in this. Um, a young inventor who invents these crazy toys, and he essentially uses magic. It's like science. Um, and one of his assistant steals his work and then starts and starts he becomes successful while this other character suffers and the story is like a redemption story it's a it has family uh, abandonment it has family reinvention it has comedy singing uh fun set pieces it's just it's just a really 
good, wholesome Christmas movie. I highly recommend it, especially if you're trying to get into the mood for the holiday season or to just feel good about yourself. You should watch this movie. Jingle Jangle, a Christmas uh, story, novel, something. Uh, a Christmas something <laughs> on, Netflix. on Netflix. All right, Josh, here's another question for you. I have two options Ooh. here for my uh, well-rounded life recommendation. Do you want me to do the happy one or the more sobering one? <laughs> do the sobering one. Okay, well, sobering one it will be. <laughs> so I'm only sharing this because I think things are going to be okay. So I don't know that's 100% oh true right now, but I believe they're going to. <laughs> okay. Um. So I found out two days ago that my both my younger sister and both my parents were diagnosed with COVID. Oh, my God. And I got a message from my mom tonight that my dad was admitted to the hospital oh, for it. No. So when we talk about like being safe and taking care of people and taking care of yourself and social distancing and wearing a mask, like just know that it really does impact people and their families. Uh, and things sound like they're going to be fine. Like it sounds like my dad's going to be totally fine. It sounds like he's probably going to get released even tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but it, just know that it is real. It is something that impacts people's life. And it's very scary because even if things weren't going to be okay, I wouldn't get to go see my dad. Right. You can't You can't go to hospitals right now. Right. My mom didn't get to go. Ugh. You know, and like... Pick the happy one. Pick the good one. <laughs> I'm kidding. So, so just an important thing to note that if you have not directly been affected, like know that there are people whose lives really have been and in ways that, you know, have been much more serious than it has been for my family. Um, so just be aware. Um, obviously, like I said, we talk, we have talked many times on this show about wearing masks and all this good stuff. Please do that. Please take the precautions you can to keep yourself safe, keep your family safe, and to keep other people's families safe. Um, because it's not just necessarily about you and the people you love, but it's about other people and the people they love. And they matter too. So just something to kind of keep in mind as we go into what is supposed to be the happiest holiday season, mm. I would really appreciate if no one else has to deal with losing someone they love because that would be super cool. Please. So with that, that's all I'm going to say. Kyle, on. I'm sorry to hear that, um, it, uh, but I'm hoping for the best. Well, thanks. Me too. And like I said, I wouldn't have shared it if I didn't think, like I said, everything prognosis is great everywhere, but just an important message to keep in mind that like, Hey, this happens sometimes, so we should be careful about those things. Yeah, wear a mask, please. Uh, this is the selfish pandemic. This is something that could have been fixed if people could kind of just look past their egos for a minute and just wear a mask. And unfortunately, we live in a very opinionated country, which is also a good thing. Like, we have these it abilities is. to be opinionated, but but man, this could have been over in June and we could have all been good, so we can't change the past, but please, like Kyle said, we wore masks at our Thanksgiving with just immediate family when we were eating, because God forbid anything happened because we just assumed we were fine. So just please wear a mask. You know, we got these these vaccines, they're coming, so maybe mm -hmm. you got to wear a mask for a couple more months, but just please do it. Like, we don't want anyone to get sick. And we hope, I speak for me and our listeners, for a speedy recovery for your family because that's what they need. I agree. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. But hey, like I said, I didn't want to end the show on a downer, so I will say the positive one. Get it out. Is <laughs> <laughs> find yourself a holiday goodie that you really enjoy and learn to make it. <laughs> 
So there's just something cool about being able to make a, whether it be a cookie you enjoy, if you're one of those people who likes fruitcake, I know there's like two of you out there, whatever it might be that you really enjoy, seems like a great year to learn to make it yourself. Uh, So we are trying, we make a big tradition every year of making holiday cookies. Uh, We are adding a whole bunch of new ones this year just because, hey, it's something that we have time to do kind of. (laughs) Uh, And really it's just something that can, you know, have a new experience during a time when things are just generally poopy uh, is to get to eat some fun, cool, new holiday goodies. So if you know how to make some, make some. But if you don't know how to make any, go ahead, find one that you care about or find one you really like and find a great recipe. Make it yourself. Uh, and you'll just see how amazingly good it is to eat something you have made. It's super great. So there's my <laughs> positive one. Awesome, Josh. What do you say we wrap this show Let's up? Let's do it. Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with VG, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with VG. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. I am noticing more traffic on our Facebook, so thank you, and I will uh, um, start to make an attempt to put more content on our Facebook page. Uh, but thanks for visiting. Um, also, if you want to communicate in the more long form, or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at boardwithvg at gmail.com. We tag all our stuff with hashtag boardwithvg, so please use that hashtag as well on all social medias. In whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own stand-alone Board with Video Games feed. You can find me on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network at Why So Serious. That's S-I-R-R-I-U-S. I think I can change my Twitter name. So, uh, on Twitter, Twitch name this week, so <laughs> I, I won't plug it. You can find me on Twitch at some point. And I'm going to change my name to be the same as everything. So uh, stay tuned. Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me on all the usual places. Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at PsychoCross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming. Oh,